This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome back, everyone. It's the Lightning Round Podcast. I am your host, who's currently fighting off this cold, Garrett Sisti, which is the same on Twitter. Your other host, at Lightning underscore Round, Jamie. He's going to have to put up with me today, and I guess so are you. Uh, We're recording this uh, after the big Green Bay win, and uh, we got a donation we want to shout out real quick, and then we'll get right into it. Yeah, big thank you goes out to Josh Albrickson for his generous donation. Josh says, you guys do great work. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate the donation and the kind words, and we agree with you. So thank you. And you don't sound so good either. So I guess (laughs) (laughs) on both ends, you'll just have to deal with us today. Yep, you're going to get what you get today. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, The Chargers got a big win against Green Bay, and they put on a show uh, this is the first time the Chargers saw their new OC, Shane Sticken, 
since the firing of Ken Wisenhunt, and I'd say he did a pretty good job in his first game of action as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, he did a great job. He got all of their playmakers involved early. Uh, he spread the ball around. He got a number of touches in for both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, and he didn't overcomplicate things. Um, all things that we didn't like about the way Ken Wisenhunt was running the offense, it seemed like they identified their strengths and stuck with them and basically dared the Packers to stop them, and Packers couldn't stop them. So things worked out pretty well. Yeah, you know, uh, in his first job, it seemed like a, a, an A-plus job from Steichen, and uh, you couldn't really ask for more other than maybe a few turn some of those early field goals into touchdowns in the red zone early on in that game. And I know the Chargers kind of uh, put themselves in a bad spot with some penalties and um, didn't seem like the offense was as crisp when they got in the red zone, but, uh, you know, hard to complain a lot about any of that. And uh, when he took over this week, I think, you know, some thought that we'd be seeing a, a whole new offense. There'd be a, a brand new overhaul of this Chargers offense. And, you know, maybe even a different offensive identity. But the thing that I loved most, and you kind of talked about it, is he didn't reinvent the wheel. He didn't make things too complicated. He did on Sunday what we had all just asked for, which is pretty simple, and it just put his players in the best spots to succeed. And he did that. The first drive was a great example of that because on Rivers' first pass, uh, they spread Green Bay out. They attacked the weakest part of their defense, which was the middle, which is their linebackers. And they got Mike Will one-on-one with a linebacker, and it went for a short gain. They got a few pit plays later. Green Bay rolls out in base, leaves Henry one-on-one with the linebacker. Great extended catch for Henry. They got him involved. Then later in that drive, they go five wide. They've got Eckler out on the left sideline. And, of course, he's covered up by a linebacker. Easy pitch and catch on the slant. It was great. I mean, they did exactly what they needed to. There wasn't anything uh, new and sparkly and these brand new concepts. It was just simple. These players are good at what they do. Let's just focus on those things. And throughout the game, we saw a lot more tosses and sweeps on running plays to get Gordon and company in space. A few end arounds to wide receivers to keep the Green Bay defense honest. The offense was getting the plays in much quicker. They were able to just go to work. I, I, like I mentioned, it kind of stalled a little bit in the red zone, but Ultimately, the offense just became more balanced on Sunday. Yeah, and the thing that I thought really stood out to me was the tempo. Um, and I noticed it even more going back and watching it a second time was, especially on the first possession, the the plays were coming in with around 20 to 25 seconds on the clock. They were giving Rivers time to operate and make changes and still snap the ball with 10 or more seconds left on the play clock. That was happening consistently after positive gains and after first downs. Things got bogged down a little bit. If they didn't get a positive gain on first down, the play clock would run down. It would take them a little bit longer to get the, the plays in. And you mentioned it. They got a little bit bogged down. It wasn't as crisp in the red zone. It seemed like they couldn't quite figure out what they wanted to do in the red zone early in the game. I don't know if it was, you know, is his last name Stitchin or Steichen? I think it's Steichen. Now, I, I looked it up, and that's the way uh, I found it pronounced, but I might be wrong on that. That's the way I would think it would be pronounced. Yeah, so, Steichen, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was Steichen and Rivers not being on the same page. Maybe Steichen calling running plays and Rivers wanting to throw it in in tight quarters or whatever the case may be, but it seemed like it was taking them a long time to get plays in. Uh, but they even sorted that out after halftime. It seemed like they were much more crisp and on the same page in the red zone, and things just flowed much better. So, uh Kudos to Shane Steichen for for not reinventing the wheel, for keeping things simple. You know, we saw a lot of clear-out routes 
Um, you know, they wanted to get Keenan open in the middle of the field. They wanted to get Mike open in the middle of the field. A lot of Eckler and Henry open in the middle of the field, particularly Henry for big chunk plays. They We didn't see as many of the seven-step drops and holding the ball. It was quicker, quicker drops, quicker releases, uh, you know, getting the ball out in that zero to 15-yard range, um, not waiting for those big plays downfield until it was a little bit later in the game and they'd worn the defense down. And just really letting Rivers do what he does. And he was efficient. He played extremely well. The running game worked really well. They were able to kind of pass to score points, or at least pass to get themselves in a position to score points. And they were able to run to close out the game, which are both things that they've struggled with at times this season. So uh, hopefully it's something they can build on. Um, Hopefully that tempo is something that they stick with because I think you know it's something that we've been hammering home for I don't know, two or three years now that we wanted them to play a lot faster. And it seemed like they finally got in that mode where they weren't, you know, it wasn't a college game. They weren't, they weren't getting up, up to the line with 30 seconds and snapping the ball at 25 seconds and trying to, you know, score. They were still matriculating the ball down the field, if you will, but there was a little bit more urgency and a little bit more tempo. And I think it helped them because it helped them to get into a rhythm early instead of trying to force one late. So good things. Yeah, and I think, you know, Steichen gets a ton of credit for this win. And um but a few people on the field, uh especially on offense, may I mean, made this look slick. And I think a lot of that had to do with the O line because I thought Russell Okung, you know, we didn't get to talk last week, but you know, since he's returned, he's made this entire line much better. And um, you know, somebody we haven't been able to mention yet is Scott Questenberry, who has been on fire. And the Chargers might have somebody in Questenberry because he's improved the interior across the board. You know, it's still Dan Feeney. It's still Michael Schofield at guards. Yet for the last few games and small sample size, and I get, you know, uh, having Trent Scott out at left tackle and Russell Kung are night and day. But, you know, between having Pouncey at center and having Questenberry at center, I mean, they look so much better and more in sync. Now, they gave up two sacks on Sunday, but uh, one of them was on the first drive where Rivers couldn't find anyone open, and you try to rush to the line of scrimmage, and he got tackled. But the other one was on Trent Scott at right tackle, and uh, I don't know what else we can say about him and Tevi. But uh, but <laughs> they did a, a really good job on pass pro. I thought, you know, giving them more room to operate uh, with the clock and just letting them go and not having to think about it and rushing everything and having kind of this frenetic pace as the play clock's ticking down, 3-2-1, and trying to get the ball snapped. Everybody was kind of comfortable. They knew where they were at. They were getting the ball out. And, you know, not only did they hold up in pass pro, but – you know, that this team leaned on that offensive line late in that game, uh, and especially with the running game. We saw glimpses of Gordon from last year during this game. He had 80 carries on uh, eighty yards on 20 carries, scored the two touchdowns. He was much more calculated. Uh, he was decisive in his runs on Sunday, and the O-line helped out with that a lot. So a uh, great job on both ends. And, you know, something I noticed that I, you know, I thought was kind of interesting, and I don't know if this is going to be a theme going forward, but they ran a lot on third down. You know, we're usually seeing put it in Rivers' hands on those third and shorts, and they were four for six when they ran the ball on third down. They were successful on two third and ones, one third and two, and one third and three. Uh, They missed a third and two on a goal-to-go situation. Uh, That ended up being the kick that Lynn called back, and then they scored the touchdown on the fourth and goal. And then the other one was uh, they missed one on a third and four with a little bit over two minutes left on the clock. And they were just kind of killing the clock at that point anyway. So... 
you know, they both ended up working out anyway. Uh, one, they ended up getting a touchdown. The other one, they were just trying to let that clock tick away. But uh, very interesting to see that running game work, and they just went at them. Uh, it was working, and they just decided that we're going to impose our will. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that's something we can get into, but this was something different. We haven't seen this since, I would say, since last year. We haven't seen that at all this season. Yeah, I think imposing their will is a good way to put it. They did that on offense. They did that on defense. And we saw Drew Tranquil do that multiple times on special teams. So mm-hmm. um, they definitely imposed their will. They basically lined up man for man and said, these are our best guys. Stop them. And Green yeah. Bay couldn't do it. Didn't matter which phase of the ball, which phase of the game it was. Um, Bosa and Ingram won consistently on, on um, defense. We yep. saw a lot of man coverage outside, which is not something the Chargers are normally known for. They excelled in that. Um, we saw um, Jalen Watkins step up and have a huge game at strong safety. And by the way, why has he not been playing strong safety all year? Hello. Um, he was fantastic on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I mean, just everybody who needed to step up to make a play made a play. There was a definite sense of urgency that has not been there in recent weeks. It just flat out hasn't been. Even in Chicago when they won, didn't seem like there was much of a sense of urgency and now it seemed like there was, and it's kind of flying under the radar, but I think uh, you got to give Joey Bosa some credit for that. I think it was after the Denver game when he basically said, you know, it's time to put up or shut up. It's time to see who really wants this and who doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of a goofy guy. He's a guy who people think is just out for himself and, you know, doesn't really have much to say, but he's he's clearly become a vocal leader in the locker room. And to some extent, outside of the locker room in the media with his comments. And it seems like everybody's responding to him. So I think that's a huge thing to have him take that step and take on that leadership mantle is a huge thing. Um, but just it just seemed like the Chargers wanted it more than the, than the Packers from the very beginning of the game. They were hitting harder. They were playing faster. Uh, they just wanted it more. And they went out and took it from a really good football team. And this is probably... I mean, they've had more exciting wins in terms of close games, but this is probably their best win on, in the Anthony Lynn era in terms of the quality of team, the way they dominated from start to finish. They controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They made plays on special team. Uh, the game management was really good. Uh, they Kudos to Anthony Lynn for stepping up, and, and there were a couple of play calls in the fourth quarter that, you know, that basically iced the game for the Chargers. So... Everything came together all at once, um, and it was something that I don't think really anybody saw coming, if they're being honest with themselves, because they didn't show any of that in any phase of the game, really, outside of Bosa and maybe Rivers. Nobody's shown that um, mm-hmm. all season, so it kind of popped up from out of nowhere, and hopefully it's something they can build on. Yeah, and I hear you, and from a complete game standpoint, it might be in terms of uh, one of the most exciting wins for Lynn, but man, that win in prime time against Kansas City on the road with Mike Will and that two-point conversion. That, that's hard to top. That one is a must. But I, I hear you. I mean, but they, they also played terrible for about two and a half quarters in that game, too. So uh, in terms of a complete game, this was awesome. And, uh, you know, just to your point, I mean, and this might be the last thing I say about Steichen because we, we've talked, you know, maybe 15 minutes on this already, but he was also one of the better defensive coordinators for the Chargers, too, because he kept the Chargers on the field for a long time, and that defense was fresh and ready, and they were firing because Rivers was taking up so much clock, and that Green Bay defense eventually wore down at the end of that game, and the offense couldn't get any rhythm. So uh, good on him, but, you know, like you mentioned, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram carried the load. 
They each had the half a uh, sack and a half. Uh, Bosa had four QB hits. Ingram had two. Green Bay was playing behind the sticks a lot on Sunday, which gave Bosa and Ingram the opportunity to just let it rip, mm-hmm. which was so awesome. And uh, credit to Gus this game because he lined up Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram together uh, more on Sunday than uh, I've seen in quite some time, and I really hope it's a new trend because – we saw this uptick in Nwosu um, as the rusher on the other end. And with when Nwosu's doing a, a good job filling in for Ingram while he's out as the Leo, to have Ingram and Bosa on the same side and then have Nwosu on the opposite end rushing, I mean, that seems like a killer combo. I'd like to see that a lot more often on uh, passing downs. And that just seems like something, just let them pin their ears back and go. Those three together, I- I'm I'm loving that combo. Yeah, that's it. That trio is yeah. awesome. Um, I was happy to see that because I think most people just assume that when Ingram came back, Nuosu would take a back seat. He wouldn't see as much playing time. You knew right. he wouldn't get this playing time in base defense as much. Um, and I think people figured that he might lose some of that sub-package playing time as well. Uh, so to have them uh, those three on the field at the same time is huge for this defense, and I think it's something that they can certainly build on. You know, I think Gus deserves a lot of credit. We, we've we been hard on him on this show, I think rightfully so in some cases, but he just let his players play on Sunday. Yeah. Um, we didn't see as much of that soft zone. They didn't blitz as much, but they didn't need to. They were getting home with three rushers, four rushers. They really didn't need that extra rusher, so they were able to bracket guys in the middle of the field, take away some of those crossing routes. They were really, really well prepared for that Green Bay offense, and it, it just seemed like they knew what was coming almost every play. Um, and I think Gus deserves a lot of credit for that, and I think the defense deserves a lot of credit for that for preparing and just playing their tails off. They didn't, they really didn't take a snap off in that game. Right, and you know, watching this game from offense, defense, special teams, this is the kind of game. Be like, this is what this team could be, and if this is what the Chargers could be, this is a playoff team. And you know, it's way too early in the season to talk about that, but. There isn't a more dominant performance than we've seen in a while. And to get this against such a quality opponent in the way they've been playing uh, is just tremendous. So uh, good on them. And, you know, you had mentioned Jalen Watkins. I mean, he can have all the strong safety snaps until Derwin comes back, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made that huge impact. Like, right away, he slipped that uh, blocker and had that tackle for a loss on the running back. Uh, he had the, a really big hit on Geronimo Allison on a second down catch where he made a bang-bang play, uh, timed the big hit on Allison. He ended up holding on to it, but just the timing there was really, really good. He ended up knocking the wind out of himself, and Allison was kind of shaken up at the process. But you know, but even with the completion, it was a good read. It was good timing, and sometimes you just get beat. Those were t- some of those plays where you see Rayshon Jenkins either way too early or way too late, and Jalen Watkins had it down right away. And you could see how he fires out the line of scrimmage. He's always getting into the backfield. He was good in coverage. I mean, again, small sample size, but right now, without Adrian Phillips and without Derwin James, Jalen Watkins is your best strong safety at this point. Uh, I don't know why Roderick Teamer would get any snaps from here on out at strong safety unless he has to in certain packages, but Jalen Watkins has got to be a starter because he was helping out this defense uh, early on, getting to a rhythm, and he was really, really good. He was really good, and he did it in basically all at all three levels of the defense. We saw him... You know, running downfield with receivers. We saw him blow up screen plays. We saw him blow up running plays. Uh, you, it seemed like he and Des King were in on almost every tackle on yeah. Sunday. 
I mean, they were flying all over the football field. Um, and you kind of wonder if having Watkins playing that strong safety role, everybody else knows that he's going to do his job so they can focus on doing their job. They don't have to worry about if he's going to miss a tackle. Do we have to lay back? They know he's going to make the play and they can just flock to the ball and swarm the ball and make that tackle. Um, he was, he was awesome. I mean, they've been, we've been talking about him for it seems like two seasons now. You know, the, the expectation was that he might start win the free safety job last year and then he got hurt. Um, comes in this year, all of a sudden he finds himself behind Roderick Teamer. Uh, it even seemed at some points during the preseason like he was behind a Darius Pickett who's no longer on the roster. Uh, he's basically the last man up and he's been the best free, the best strong safety, I should say, on the team. At least in one game, he's played better than any anybody else has in that role. So, yeah, definitely want to see more of him. Um, maybe you can get Teamer in and that nickel, nickel dime linebacker, that sixth or seventh defensive back role. But just leave Watkins in that strong safety role until Derwin gets back or or Adrian gets back because he is the one guy who can more or less approximate what those two guys do in a way that nobody else on the roster can. Yeah, and when those do to return, you know, then you got to start thinking about Rayshon Jenkins might not be your starting free safety long term. And with as good as Jalen Watkins is and ha- well, was for that one game, and if he puts a couple games like this together and we're stringing some of these good performances together, hey, man, he was a natural free safety at his position. And so uh, why not throw him out there and see if he does a better job than uh, Rayshon Jenkins, which, of course, isn't a tall task. But Rayshon's elite. Yeah. Okay. All right. The only elite thing I saw him do on Sunday was the unnecessary roughness penalty. He was elite at being a dumbass. Awful. (laughs) How terrible. I mean, we we would talk shit about Jalila Dye like celebrating after a play, but the punt team was walking onto the field ready to punt, and he got the penalty. I mean, talk about a late flag. Yeah, just dumb. Just dumb, and you've got Lynn walking up and down the field screaming at him. Oh, yeah. That's stupid. That's stupid, yeah, Rayshon. I know. I know. I, I posted that gift today. It was awesome. And I think I might have to use that in the future, by the way. <laughs> Rayshon, stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> I, yeah. That, <laughs> I bet I could do that once a game. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, and an- another guy you mentioned on defense and another guy that deserves some more snaps is Drew Tranquil. 
He had the, uh, his second block punt on Sunday. Uh, made another great special teams tackle. Denzel Perryman went down, and uh, they, it kind of forced the coach's hand a little bit to uh, implement Tranquil a little bit more. But he deserves to be on the field more. He's the best special teams player, not named Derek Watt at this point. And when you've got that toe tapping twosome of Thomas Davis and Denzel Perryman, you got to scale some of those reps back, man. I don't know why Thomas Davis is getting 100% of anything anymore. Yeah, Tranquil had 22 snaps. He was tied for the team and the team leading tackles. I mean, he's effective, and you've got to get him on the field. Thomas Davis, Denzel Perriman, not the future at linebacker for the Chargers. He also made a huge third down tackle in the first or second quarter. There was like a third and 14. Yep. The, the Packers ran a wide receiver screen, and the wide rec- I think it was Geronimo Allison broke free, and it was Tranquil who brought him down a yard or two shy of the first down marker to kill that drive. And I think the Chargers at that point were leading six or nine to nothing. So that tackle might have robbed them of any kind of rhythm and allowed the Chargers to build on that lead. So he made two huge special teams tackles. You mentioned the block punt, the third down stop. Tranquil was great. You can see the the football IQ just kind of oozes off of him when he's on the field. Very smart guy. He's fast to react, read and react, and he's a good tackler. And he can run and cover. So um, it seems like he has pretty much everything you want in a linebacker, but they just love them some Denzel Perriman and Thomas Davis. But now their hand might be forced. You hope. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you don't want – you never want somebody to get hurt, but, you know, they've had their hand forced with Questenberry. That worked out pretty well. They had their hand forced with um, Watkins. That's worked out pretty well. Yep. Um so maybe they can go three for three and start getting tranquil some more snaps and find themselves a playmaker in the middle of that defense because it seems like Jatavis Brown is buried, so he's not going to – he should, probably is not going to be leapfrogging tranquil. Um, they don't seem to know what to do with Kaiser White, so I don't think it's going to be him. Um, That's so hope, a mystery to me. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with White. I don't know if they just don't trust him or he just isn't – I don't know, meeting their expectations. I don't know what the problem is, but he's, you'd think a guy who can run like that and who has shown himself to be a playmaker would be getting more snaps than he is, but for whatever reason, he isn't. The Charger, I don't know what it is recently, and I don't, you know, I'm just speaking out of things in the present, but, you know, it seems like there's so many strange things that are going on. Like, we don't know what happened with Lamp and why he couldn't get on the field. They drafted him so high, he finally gets on, he gets injured. Uh, this whole Nasir Adderley thing is strange, where he was, like, close to coming back, and the coaches are, you know, kind of criticizing his toughness and how he was, like, he just needs to learn how to play through things, and then he lands on the IR somehow. He was close enough to play, the coaches thought, but then they're like, oh, no, we're going to totally cut you shut you down. Short. Yeah, and then Kaiser White has an awesome start to last year, talks about you know being part of the future, and then here we are with Thomas Davis and Denzel Perryman. And uh, you know, and White's been healthy enough to play. Yeah. It's just strange. They love them some veterans for whatever reason. Yeah. They love strange that occurrences. They love that continuity and chemistry. And and just to add to your your point about, you know, some things working out with the Justin Jones and Brandon Meebane injuries, when Cortez Broughton came on, he looked really, really good, got mono for I don't. I guess he was kissing Sam Darnold or something. But got mono, and now he can't play. And then, um, and then at, we saw Sylvester Williams, who actually looked pretty good in his uh, his lone work. I thought he looked. He didn't make a ton of plays, but he flashed a lot for me on Sunday. He can push the pocket. He can penetrate and make plays in the running game. He's looked really good two weeks in a row. So mm. hopefully he'll start getting some more snaps. 
Let me ask you one question because this will be a short podcast and we'll get off here in a little bit and we've covered basically everything anyway. Talk to me about what's going through your head when Chargers don't punch it in on third and four, Badgley kicks that field goal, and it gets them to a three-score game. Lynn says, no, give me the ball, let's punch it in. How do you feel about that decision by Anthony Lynn? I loved it. I loved it, and I'll tell you why. Um, they were dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, so to me, it's worth it to go for the touchdown and try to step on their throats and put them away before you give the ball back to, to Rodgers. And even if you don't get those points, I didn't see anything that made me think that the Packers were going to drive the ball 96 yards or whatever it was and score a touchdown and make a game out of that. It just didn't It didn't seem like it was in the realm, within the realm of possibility in that game. So to me, I thought it was kind of a, uh, a defining moment for the season. It, people have been mentioning it, and I agree. It reminded me of that moment in Denver a couple years ago where – Lynn is flexing on the sidelines, ch- challenging his guys to man up or bow up yeah, or whatever it was that he said. Or, yeah, uh-huh. yeah um, same same exact scenario. Um, he sees a chance to put away a good football team and do it early. He takes it. Um, he's he's showing confidence in his team. In that moment, he builds confidence in his team. They go down and they they you know they ram the ball in there and they they batter it in. They get it, they get the touchdown to put the game away. I love that call. I love the deep ball to Mike Williams that set up that score in the yep. fourth quarter. Um, not a necessary play at that point, but they get the ball in good field position and decide, you know what, let's take that shot. Let's step on their throats. You know, kind of that we talked about it a lot last season, kind of that almost like that fuck it kind of moment where they're like, you know mm-hmm. what, let's just put this thing away. Let's stop messing around. And at that point, the game was more or less over anyway. But to take that shot and put the ball up and and Take, get that chunk and get yourselves in position to score. I thought I loved the way they managed the end of that game. I thought it was perfect. It was at the right place, the right time. They needed that out of Lynn. I think the offense needed that. The defense needed that. And it was a character builder, and it was a defining moment for that team moving forward. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. And that's uh, that's ultimately what it ended up becoming. And it didn't matter anyway whether they took the field goal or the touchdown because the game was over. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking – I mean, this is Aaron Rodgers. They're seven and one at that point. Uh, they've looked really good. Do you really want to take a chance and leave this as only a two-score game? Uh, you know, if you're talking about the game on the field, it did not seem like they could move the ball at all. If you're looking at past performances and knowing who's at the helm for Green Bay, you're a little bit worried, and I was. And I might have taken the points, but Lynn made the right decision. Because ultimately what it did and what you're talking about is it made it a moment. If he kicks the field goal and they're up three scores, great uh, game, you know, still a great game. Everything works, but they don't have a real defining moment. There's a lot of good things that happen in that game, a complete win. Awesome. Let's move on to Oakland. We got a short week, but this was the, hey, listen, we could really set ourselves back if we don't make this, but I trust in you guys. You guys have dominated all game long. Let's go take it. And Rivers is pumped up about it, and he wants it just as bad as Lynn does. And they go for it, and they get it. So, uh, and it's, and to trust Gordon at that point, you know, who hasn't been impressive since he's been back, uh, pretty good that game. But 
again, to put the ball back in his hand also instills confidence in Gordon, the offensive line, the offense as a whole, uh, this team. I mean, it means more than just going up and winning. This is that moment that I trust you guys and let's go get it. So uh, ultimately he made the right choice. I, I might have played it safe at that point, but I wouldn't have had a moment to play on. So uh, good on Lynn. <laughs> no, you know what? It honestly never crossed my mind because to me, the way you're, the way that game's going, um, if Green Bay was going to move the ball down the field and score from that point of the field, it's going to take a lot of time for them to do that. So it's going to make it that much harder for them to to get their three scores back. And at that point, they're probably giving the ball back to the Chargers, and the Packers didn't stop the Chargers all day long. So to me, I was okay with giving up the three points, whether they got the touchdown or not. Of course, it's, it looks better since they got the touchdown. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I loved it. I thought it was exactly what they needed in that moment. It was a, a huge vote of confidence from their coach, a moment, a defining moment in time there that they can look back on during this season and hopefully build on. Yep. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to us. We appreciate you guys. I am at GearSisty on Twitter, Jamie. At Lightning underscore Round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.